Well, I'm so glad that you are worshiping with us. Why don't you take your Bibles and go with me to the book of Galatians. Uh, we're going to be in Galatians chapter 5 today. And I know like it looks, we're, we're ready for Christmas and I cannot wait uh, to see you next Sunday. And, and that's really when we're going to get into our Christmas preaching series, looking at the theology of the incarnation. But today we're finishing up our series on spiritual fruit. And the reason we did this whole series uh, looking at the fruit of the spirit is because we have this vision of being a growing church. All the way back in March and April, when this whole pandemic hit, there were a lot of leaders and, and coaches that were kind of saying, like, listen, like, just surviving as a church might be your biggest win. And in some ways, I kind of understand that now. Like, they're nine months of not really being able to gather every week in person. I mean, it's we're just praising God. That's a big reason for us to praise him. Like, like we're still here. He has held us together. We're still a church. He has kept us safe. He has kept us healthy. He has provided for us. We're in a really strong financial position. We're just praising God for that. And we're looking forward to resuming our weekly in-person gatherings in January, even though it's going to look completely different than we could have even imagined nine months ago. I'm just like, that's crazy. And I understand like what they meant when they were saying that, but like, Sometimes we just need to survive. But I remember even when they were saying that uh, months ago, just feeling like, ah, there's got to be more than just survival. Like, I want us to grow. I want our church to grow spiritually. I'm praising God that we've been seeing the evidence of that. I'm really especially praising God that I've been seeing that in my own life by his grace. Areas where he's just been working. And man, I'm, I'm hoping that the Lord has used this as we've been studying through this to really help you. How have you seen God growing you this year? There have been some areas where he's been challenging you and teaching you and refining you and, and, and maturing you. Can, can you see the evidence of growth that you're becoming more like Jesus? We have a, a growth chart. Maybe you have one of those at your house where we kind of uh, keep uh, marks on, on, on a board that we set up to, to see how tall our kids are getting. And, and, and the way it's growth is such an interesting thing, isn't it? Because it seems, uh, it seems imperceptible in the moment. Like nothing's happening until you measure it over time. You can see like, man, it's actually really happening. And, and, and this actually, uh, I, I experienced this a few weeks ago when we were in our last in-person meeting and I was seeing some of your kids for the first time after months be like, whoa, like what happened? I mean, they got so big, right? And sometimes that's the way it feels like with spiritual growth. Just because you can't see spiritual growth happening doesn't mean that the God's not at work. You can trust that he's at work in your life if you really belong to him. And if he has started a good work in you, he is going to bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. He's going to finish what he started. And by his grace over time, the evidence is going to become more and more pronounced that, that we're becoming more like Christ. We're becoming more like Jesus. But unlike the physical growth of kids. Like when you're a kid and you're growing, there's nothing you do about that, right? It's just, it just happens. But, but spiritual growth is a process in which we actually get to do something. 
that, that we get to participate with the Lord in the process of our own sanctification. So what we're looking at here in Galatians chapter 5, the, the fruit of the Spirit is this list of, of aspects of the character that God is producing in us. It's what He's doing in our lives. But it's also what we do. It's what we're pursuing. It's, 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 it's what we're trying to chase after that we want to be more and more like Jesus Christ. So if you've got your Bibles, let's look at this. Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 22. Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 22. Let's finish out the fruit of the Spirit. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. And we've looked at all of those. And now this, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Talking about self-control. It's a little ironic, isn't it? Like, why do we got to talk about this one the week after Thanksgiving when we just stuffed ourselves silly with food? In fact, while I was preparing uh, for this sermon, I knew I was going to be preaching on self-control. Someone in my small group knew. Uh, they've been hearing me talk about how much I love uh, Chicago pizza, and I missed that. Well, they actually had my favorite Chicago pizza, Lou Malnati's deep dish pizza, delivered to my house crazy. And so like, I'm enjoying this. And while we're eating this, I'm like, oh, I got to go preach on self-control. I'm just literally taking every ounce of self-control I have not to just devour this entire pizza and not share it uh, with my family. But uh, self-control is one of those things that in a lot of ways, it, it, it we struggle with it in some pretty simple ways, right? But, but self-control is the spirit-empowered discipline to resist your sinful desires. To actually control your passions and desires instead of letting them control you. That can be in some simple ways, like food. That, 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 that we would give into overeating. Um, that, that we would even binge food for comfort. Or just eat unhealthy, not care. Or it can be in, in drinking and getting drunk. Um, obviously, or, or, or becoming dependent on alcohol, but even willing to offend and hurt somebody because I want to be able to drink and have my freedom. It can be in, in our sexual desires where we're going outside of, of God's beautiful design and, and just feeding our lusts and, and, and chasing after that and looking at things that we shouldn't be or, or even elevating our desires to, to, to like a need and being demanding and selfish about it marring the beautiful picture that God designed for it. Or, or it could be in, in leisure and entertainment where we just, we just care more about having fun and, and our own interests and our own pursuits rather than being a good steward of our time and the responsibilities that God's given us. And, and, and it can even lead to laziness, right? Where we make rest an idol. We put it off and, and don't do the things we know we're supposed to be doing and we procrastinate. Or it can be stuff, our desire for more toys and, and getting new tech and, and thinking about what we want for Christmas and, and going shopping and getting new clothes and, and, and just spending too much money or even going into debt to get the things that we want or just spending it on ourselves and being selfish with all the things that we have and accumulating. Or it can be um, the temptation to gossip or 
uh, hurtful words where, 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 where we're listening to somebody else when they start talking about uh, some, gossiping about somebody and, and, and we don't stop it when we listen in on that. Or when we use our words to hurt somebody or tear somebody down and make ourselves look better and end up exaggerating or, or getting sarcastic. Or it can be in getting angry and impatient where we're not controlling our emotions but, but, but just allowing them to boil over until we blow up or we, or we clam up. When we give in to sin, it's a lack of self-control. And it might be a besetting sin in your life that seems like really hard to overcome and you, you, do, you don't want to keep doing it, but you do. Or it also might be a good thing that you're wanting. It doesn't have to be a bad thing. It'd be a good thing. But you take that good thing and you make it an ultimate thing, taking the place that only Christ should have as our primary desire. And I don't want to give in to these sinful desires anymore. Actually, in chapter 5, back in, in verse 16, he said, Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. I want God to produce self-control in me. And I want to practice it. I want him to produce it in me, and I want to practice it so that what's coming out in my words and my actions and my reactions and my desires is not the works of the flesh, but the fruit of the Spirit. Self-control keeps us from giving in to sin. And it's the mark of spiritual growth and maturity. So today I want to give you five ways. We're going to go through these quick. We're going to be all over the place in Scripture. But I just want to give you five ways that we pursue self-control. Here's the first. If you're taking notes, note this. Don't forget you're dead to sin. Don't forget that you are dead to sin. You're looking at it, Galatians chapter 5, verse 24. Look, he just said, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. When he uses the word flesh there, he means that, that sinful nature that you and I were born with. That's the old man. But now that you've been saved by Jesus Christ, you have a new nature. Praise God for that. But for now... Uh, you still have this remnant of the old self that's going to, uh, you're, you're just kind of stuck with it until you receive your glorified body in heaven. We're looking forward to that day. But this is why we would struggle with sin right now, even though we're saved from it. But what he's telling you, what he's reminding you is that in Jesus, your flesh has been crucified. You are dead to sin. Romans chapter 6, verse 6 said the same thing. He said, our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Think about it this way. Before Christ, you could not not sin. You get that? Like you couldn't help it. You, that's who you were. You are a slave to sin. Sin had power over you. And he's telling you that's, that's who you were, but that's not who you are anymore. That you're, you're, you're still going to struggle for now because you, we still have our old sinful nature that, that, that until Christ comes again and he finally delivers us from this body of death, we're going to wrestle with that. Christ has saved us from the penalty of sin and even the power of sin, but not yet from the presence of sin. That day is coming. 
And so until we're glorified in the presence of Christ and our salvation is fully and finally realized, unfortunately, you and I can still choose to live by our old sinful flesh, even though we don't have to. But because your flesh has been crucified, listen, listen, it has no power over you. And you don't have to give in to your sinful desires. In fact, why would you? Every time we sin, it's like we're going out back and, and we're digging up that old stinking rotten corpse, uh, that, that carcass that had been buried, and we're like wrapping ourselves in it. It's gross. It's disgusting. Why would you do that? Uh, Romans 6, he actually says that. He says, how can we who died to sin still live in it? It doesn't make any sense why we would ever choose that when we've been set free and we don't have to. Sin is always stupid. Why, why would I want to live out of control, giving in to sinful desires that never satisfy and always mess up my life and hurt other people? Why would I, why would I do that? What he's telling you is, you don't have to anymore, praise God. You don't have to. Whatever it is that, that, that's been your biggest temptation, that, that area where you just really struggle to exercise self-control, you don't have to keep losing that battle. Self-control doesn't start, though, by mustering up your own strength and determination. You don't win by sheer willpower, uh, just trying harder or, or stopping sin. But it starts by remembering the gospel. Don't forget, you're dead to sin. Jesus has already won the victory. Sin no longer has power over you anymore. You don't have to give in to that. And so... That leads us to the second way that we pursue self-control. The second way is this. Don't be controlled by sin, but by the Spirit. Don't be controlled by sin. Be controlled by the Spirit. Now, I want you to, I've got this verse for you in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. I want you to see this. He says this, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with with the Spirit. Now, first off, this is a, a command. We're not supposed to get drunk. That's sin. But it's also an illustration. It's a metaphor where he's showing us how the Lord wants us to be controlled by his Spirit. Wine or alcohol can be a controlling substance. In fact, you might uh, get, uh, you, you might look at a person's uh, crazy or angry actions when they've had a little bit too much to drink and say, well, it's because he's drunk. He's, he's had too much. He's, he's lost control of his faculties and, and he can't help it anymore. Alcohol is controlling him now. And Paul is saying, don't let some substance control you. Let the spirit control you. So self-control is really being spirit controlled. 
where I'm setting my mind on the things of the Spirit, what the Spirit wants, and I'm doing that by getting into His Word. It's the only way. I'm, there's no way I'm going to know what the Spirit wants unless I'm renewing my mind by the truth of Scripture. So I've got to get into the Word of God. And then I get on my knees in prayer and I ask Him to empower me to obey Him and to follow His lead. God, I, I don't want to do my thing anymore. I want to do, do what you want. I want to go your direction. I said, we got to ask for this. Do, do you ask for the Spirit to fill you? So that instead of being controlled by your sinful desires, you're controlled by Him. Do you know that? Do you need Him? Maybe, maybe we ask God to, to fill us for the big things. Like, like when we're, we're really facing some major decision that we need to make. Or, or uh, when we're desperately needing His help in some difficult circumstance that we find ourselves in. But do you recognize that you need to be filled with the Spirit in every situation? Even in the everyday, mundane little things. Like when it's time to be done with work and spend some time with my kids. I know, like, Lord, I need you to fill me with my spirit, with your spirit, so, so that I'm so that I'm loving to them and I, I consider them more significant than myself. So I put their needs first and I don't get impatient, I don't get irritated with them. Or when it's time to sit down and stream some TV or watch a movie. Like I want to be filled with the spirit so that I'm so that I'm careful with what I'm putting before my eyes or what I'm listening to. I want to be filled with the Spirit when I start to get frustrated with someone at work so that I don't listen to the gossip when it starts and so that I'm guarding my words and I'm forgiving and loving and kind and gracious. I want to be filled with the Spirit when I'm browsing on Amazon or when I walk into a store so that I'm careful to be a good steward with my finances and my, my purchases. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10.31, I love this, you know it. Or whether, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Even in the little things, like eating and drinking, I want to do all of it for the glory of God. I want to submit in everything. I want to be filled with His Spirit so that I'm not controlled by sin, but that I'm controlled by what Christ wants for me. I'm letting His Spirit control my actions. Oh, the third way that we pursue self-control is this. Note this. Don't even give your sinful desires an opportunity. Don't even give your sinful desires an opportunity. I love this verse in Romans chapter 13, verse 14. Romans chapter 13, verse 14 says this. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. To, to, to make no provision for the flesh means I'm not thinking about how to get away with sin. I'm not giving myself an opportunity to indulge my sinful desires. Self-control is so much harder when we're flirting around the edge of sin. And maybe, maybe we're not technically giving into it, but when we're not being careful with what we're looking at or what we're searching for on the internet or what we're watching or what we're listening to, or when we don't have accountability, when, when, when there's places that you can go or, or 
time in your schedule when, when no one knows where you, where you are or what you're up to. There's, there's like blind spots in your time and, and areas where you can hide things and it's easy to give in to temptation. Like who's going to know? Or when you're working from home and the boss can't see you. And so it's just easier for you to maybe cut corners or be lazy, not get things done, not really do your best. Or the temptation to hang out with those friends on the weekend who just don't share the values of Christ and you know what they're going to get into and you know the temptations they're going to face you for that. What he's saying is don't give your sinful desires an opportunity. Don't even give it an opportunity. That means exercising some wisdom and discernment and restraint and building appropriate boundaries and, and moral fences and accountability into your life. Because I realized, like, I'm not trusting myself. I'm not trusting my own power. Like, ah, I won't give in to sin. I won't. That, that probably won't happen. Like, no, no, no. Like, I, I, I'm recognizing that left to myself, my sinful desires will seize every single opportunity it can. My, my sinful flesh will jump on those opportunities to give in to sinful desires. That I always and desperately need the grace of God in my life to be at work in my heart and to be changing me. And so I realize I might have to put some accountability in. I might have to show some restraint. I don't even want to go down. I, I want to avoid that altogether. Because I don't even want to give my flesh the opportunity. Here's the fourth way that we pursue self-control. The fourth way is this. Delight yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord. Psalm 37 verse 4. Psalm 37 verse 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. This is it. This is at the heart of how we get after this. Do you want Jesus more than you want your sin? Do you love Christ? Do you delight in him? Is he your greatest desire? C.S. Lewis said it to us this way. He said, it would seem that our Lord would find our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. And see, I think this is often why we struggle with self-control is because we feel like our desires are just so strong. Like, I, I can't help it. Like, I just have to give in to this. But they're not too strong. They're too weak. That, that we're wasting our desires on things that are less than God's best for us. Because only he can satisfy. As he says in Isaiah 55, why do you spend your money on that which is not bread, your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me. Eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Do you know Psalm 1611 that in his presence there is fullness of joy and at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. He is what we want. And this is how we get after this and get rid of all these sinful desires, these lesser things. We fight against our sinful, selfish desires by developing a greater, stronger desire for the soul-satisfying richness of knowing Jesus Christ and enjoying the presence of the Lord where we want His glory more than we want our sin. I want Him. 
And when we do that, when, that's, when that hunger for righteousness is growing, when we're growing in our appreciation for who Christ is and what he has done, we find ourselves exercising self-control over our sinful desires. We're able to look at that stuff and, man, I don't even want that anymore. I want Jesus because he is so much better. So here's the fifth way. Let me give you the last one. The the last way that we pursue self-control is this. Discipline yourself to run for the prize. Discipline yourself to run for the prize. I want you to turn your Bibles. If you've got those, look look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I want you to turn there. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I want to start reading in verse 24. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. Paul says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and I keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. The context of this is that that Paul has been so focused on the mission of reaching the lost with the gospel that he's willing to give up even his freedoms to serve everyone because he wants them to come to know the Lord too. He wants to see them trust Christ. And he gives us the illustration of athletes. Athletes have to give up a lot. They have have to discipline themselves. They They have to get up early and pass on dessert and hit the gym and keep working hard. And it's not fun, but they're committed to it because they want to win the prize. The prize for us is the glory of Christ. And when we want God's glory, you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna live sent. We're gonna live sent so that we see his kingdom advancing and more people worshiping him and he's getting more glory. And we don't give up when things get hard. But we do give up lesser pursuits. Like, I don't want that anymore. And we exercise self-control over our passions and desires so that we don't get distracted by other things and so that we don't fail to be faithful to run the race that he has set before us. And it means I gotta get up and I'm, I'm gonna get into the daily grind of reading my Bible, getting into God's word every single day. I'm gonna spend time on my knees in prayer even when I don't feel like it. I'm going to exercise the discipline of fasting that's teaching me my dependence on the Lord and the hunger and thirst for Him, how much I really need Him. It might mean having to limit my screen time. I don't want to waste all my time on this. I don't need to look at this. Giving up social media time, so much time that we just waste on our phones. It might mean giving away our money and being generous to the Lord, giving to those in need, whatever it takes. Because we want Him more than anything. Now, let me encourage you. I don't, I don't want you to exercise self-control in order to get right with God. That's not the gospel. We do this because he has made us right with him through Jesus' sacrificial death on the cross in our place, and he has set us free from the power of sin and death. We don't have to live in sin anymore. Thank you, Lord. And so we start with the gospel. Don't forget you're dead to sin. It does not have any more power on you over you. 
And so don't be controlled by sin. Be, be controlled by the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. And don't even give your sinful desires an opportunity. But delight yourselves in the Lord and discipline yourself to run for the prize. Father, would you produce this in us? We're so thankful that your Spirit is at work. And God, I've been praying for our church family that we're going to grow spiritually. I'm confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Thank you for your faithfulness to that. Make us more like Christ. Help us to hate our sin. Help us to love Christ. Help us to want you more so that we would discipline ourselves and be self-controlled. And then in our actions, our attitudes, our reactions, that we would become more and more like Jesus. Thank you for doing this work in us. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.